Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome.
I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we appreciate the Lord for his grace and mercy and to meet you once again in the house of the Lord. Amen. How many appreciate you to meet you once again in the house of the Lord? Amen. And I appreciate all the birthday messages and the gifts. They are warmly appreciated. Amen. Without much waste of time, God bless you, musicians, as we go to our Bibles. Mark 11. Mark the 11th chapter. And from verse 22, is it found? Let's read it together. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. As we bow heads, the gracious Heavenly Father, we are reporting for duty this morning, and we appreciate you to be in your presence. And the aroma of the Holy Spirit is here to uplift us. And that is why, dear God, it was befitting that we should come this way so that you can minister to our hearts, and shape our hearts in the manner that you want them to be shaped, because we are just at lay in the hands of the potter this morning. I pray for every brother and every sister this morning that may you come their way and minister to their needs in a special way that every believer should have a personal testimony where they can say, I know and I know that my Lord liveth. And not because it's a statement, but they can point at the deeds, things that you would have done in their lives that are paradoxical, that cannot be attributed to any man, but it can only be attributed to the Almighty God. We bind every spirit in the name of Jesus Christ as we are now beginning to go into the scriptures and looking at the quotations. It does not require the intellect. It requires more than the intellect. It requires the ability to yield to the instruction of the Holy Spirit. 
And Lord, help us to be diligent in doing so as we commit everything to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly as you take your seats. Amen. Now, I just want to take a couple of minutes and speak on a victory mindset. Amen. A victory mindset. That's what I want to uh, dwell on this morning and hope that it will be of such a great help by the time we are done. Amen. Now, when we speak of a mindset, I think normally sports people are the ones that would understand more when we speak on the mindset because their victory or defeat depends on their mindset. We are told uh, by some of the leading sports personalities that they know that a victory is not attained in the boxing arena. Often it is obtained way before you get into the boxing arena because of the mindset that you, you, you build towards the battle. Are you with me? A marathon runner finishes the marathon way before the day of the marathon. Are you still with me? Now, uh, similarly, I believe that you, as you, a believer, you overcome certain victories long before the battles. The battle has not yet started, but you are already victorious. A disease has not already struck you, but already you are healed. Are you with me? Rapture has not taken place, but to you it's already taken place. Are you with me? So that, that's, uh, that's the, the mindset that I want to speak about this, this morning. Now, a mindset, often they will say, it would refer to someone's, when you speak about someone's mindset, you mean their general attitudes and the way they typically think about things. So it's a, it's a pattern of thought on how are you a thinking process or a thinking pattern of a particular individual about things. And that can summarize, be summarized as general attitudes. Amen. That's what I want to speak on. Now, in the message, when divine love is projected, sovereign grace takes its place. Paragraph 19, the prophet of God says, then when you become a son or a daughter of God. So when we speak about a mindset, we speak about one's disposition. Your disposition towards certain things or towards certain situations in life. Now, the prophet says, when you become a son or a daughter of God, your disposition changes. Your attitude changes. Your, your, your look towards life and towards others changes. 
Are you with me? So a, a believer does not have the same outlook of life as an unbeliever because they don't have the same mindset. Are you with me? Now, he says it doesn't mean that you just, you just have joined the church. It means that you have been regenerated. You have become a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. The old things have passed away and you have become a new creature. And it says, I want this, this to, go, to go way down even into church members. Are you still with me? Just go up. So that means when you become a son or a daughter of God, there's got to be a change of attitude. There's got to be a change of mindset. There's got to be a change of disposition. There's got to be a change of thoughts. So can we agree that a Christian has got a particular mindset? Uh, are you here this morning? A Christian has got a a very peculiar mindset. Now, the problem is that you cannot, when, when you are become a soldier, a soldier can never be a successful soldier with a mindset of a civilian. The moment you put the military regalia, that means you need to put it even mentally. You need to, to possess the mental resiliency that is required of a soldier. You have to look at the things as a soldier. You have to speak as a soldier. Your jargon must reflect that this is a soldier. Your conduct, everything about you has got to resemble military. Are you still with me? You, you, now, we get to, to get, we are told to those that have been in military, like Brother Philip would know, in military discipline is very key. How you wake up and make your bed is very key. So uh, even a soldier, how they make up their bed, a bed cannot be different in terms of how they make. So there is precision daily on how they make up their bed. There is a precision in terms of how they iron their clothes. Are you still with me? Uh, are you here, people? That, that, that's, that's in military. There's got to be a precision. Now, if, if that is what is required from a natural soldier, that must be what must be required from a spiritual soldier. A, a soldier cannot, while we are going into the battle, and they just chit chat and say, ah, but I know we are not going to win. Uh, that one has got to, if the general hears of such a soldier, what would a general do? What would a general do? We call it a military mutiny. They, they have got to send you home. Because uh, when you, when, the moment every battle that a soldier approaches, to them it's a won battle. Uh, are you here, people? Uh, every soldier, every soldier, when they approach a battle, they don't approach it with an outcome of defeat. To them, the enemy is already down. They operate on the potentials and to realize the potentials that they have thought of. Are you still with me? Now, let's get into uh, this message, why some people can't keep victory. Paragraph 51. The prophet says, and he is reflecting on the scripture 
in the book of Ezekiel, he says in this, he says now, the heart is the center of the emotions of the human being. So your heart is at the core of your being. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart because out of it comes the issues of life. A heart has got to be guarded. And Brother Bram says, a human heart was made to be happy. So your heart must be, and the moment the Bible says your heart has got to be guarded, it means there are elements that are going to invade your heart. And if your heart is polluted, your entire system is polluted. Are you still with me? Have you ever seen people that dress elegantly while their hearts look ugly? It does happen. I hope we are together. Now, the, the heart is in the center of the emotions of the human being. Your heart is in the middle of you. That's exactly, that's why the devil, when it came to a choice, the devil went for the head and God went for the heart. Hallelujah. If God is God of, hallelujah. When, when they came, I hope you are together here. Your heart is, is the middle of you. That's exactly right. So God puts a new heart. So you cannot be a Christian with an old heart. This, this is the quickest way to defeat. Your old heart is ugly. Your old heart is contaminated. Your old heart has got a sinful nature. Are you still with me? Your, your old heart is evil. You need a new uh, Hallelujah. Now, so God puts a new heart in the middle of the old man. Then he puts a new spirit in the middle of the new heart. Now, and puts his spirit in the middle of the new spirit. Now, we, I hope you get to the sequence of events here. There's got to be a new heart. But a new heart is not sufficient. Within a new heart, there must be a new spirit. And a new spirit is not enough. Within a new spirit, there must be this spirit. Did, did you get to that one? Maybe, brother, bring the diagram on the, on, the, on the screen on the second slide here. I hope I thought that you would operate on the presentation. Amen. Now, you, you have the heart. Are you still with me? You, you, your, your heart, every per, that's why every person must be born again, including Virgin Mary. Every person must be born again, including Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. Why, why is it critical that everyone must be born again? You cannot serve God with the old nature. The, the, the most dangerous thing in the end time, and that is why it's difficult for believers to attain victory, is because they attempted to serve God with the old nature. And as I often some uh, speaking, I have often seen some would want to serve God with their old family spirit. You can never. Some would want, even attempt to serve God with their national spirit. 
God does not need a national spirit. God does not need a family spirit. God does not need your spirit. You need to be born again. So that you become a new creature. If there was something good in your old nature, Jesus would have not died. God could have used the elements in your old nature to, to bring you closer to him. But God said, I reject everything about you. Now I've made a process for you to be born again so that as a new creature, you become accepted to me as a divine nature. Are you still with me? Now, bring the other one, the other slide. Now, Brother Bram says, a lot of time after the people have a new heart and have a new spirit, they relax and say, I've got it. You don't have it because it has to be a new heart. And after a new heart, there's got to be a new spirit. And after a new spirit, there's got to be this spirit operating in the middle of your spirit. A new spirit is not God's spirit. It's just God to bring a new spirit about you. But it is not the Holy Spirit. You still need the Holy Spirit. Are you still with me? I hope we are together here. Now, in the message, Impersonation of Christianity, which is the next slide, the prophet of God says, paragraph 44, he says, now, notice now here, Hezekiel speaking, he said how that he would put a new heart, the same chapter, take away the old stony heart, and he would give you a new spirit. Then he would put his spirit in you. Now, the new heart does not mean wake up the old one. That is why the difference between Christianity and psychology, psychology wants to reform the old heart. But Christianity says you don't need the old heart. You need a new heart. I, I, I hope we are together here. Then he says it doesn't mean that the church needs a face lifting. It means the church needs a birth. God's church don't need a polishing. It needs a conversion. Oh, I hope we are together here. We don't need to polish things. We need a conversion. That's right. Then just to take the then just to take the old church and sit and say, well, I tell you, we'll change the deacon board, we'll swap pastors. That isn't what the church needs. It needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, this one I will repeat. It needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It needs the power of the living God. A revival doesn't mean to go out and get a new members. A revival means to revive what we've already got. Amen. Are you still with me here? I hope we are together here. Now, in the message, the mighty conqueror, paragraph 35, he says in this message, just one touch of his hand, he, he, just one touch of his hand, he conquers sin. Are you still with me? He conquers your temper. He conquers your disposition. And I say disposition and mindset can be used interchangeably. Your old mindset must be conquered. 
Now, what is the old mindset? The old mindset used to say to you, no one is perfect, no one cannot live above sin. But with the new mindset, you can gravitate above sin. With a new mindset, you can reject the influence of sin. Hey. Folks, do you believe these things? I say with a new mindset, you can overcome the influence of sin. With a new mindset, you can overcome Satan. With a new mindset, you can overcome demons. With a new mindset, you can overcome your background. But it, 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 Brother Brown said the mind was chosen as the place of the battle. It all begins in your mind. You, are, you become a victor in your mind and you become a loser in your mind. But in your mind when you've got a confession that is based on the word of God, that confession disregards the circumstances. In the midst of difficulty you say, I know I'm going to make it. I know I'm going to overcome this situation. I know there will be a breakthrough through this situation. I know God will see me through this situation. It's a mindset. It's what you reinforce daily that I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Circumstances to say something different. But you say, I refuse the evidence of circumstances because my faith is not circumstantial. My faith is divine and it is supernatural. I'm going to make it. It, it, it takes a certain degree of resolve. It takes a certain determination that you need to believe in. He conquers your temper. He conquers your disposition. He conquers your life. Your life has to be conquered. Are, are you still with me? You know, when you come into the sports arena and you look at the sportsmen, there isn't the difference between a sportsman and a, the one that is not a sportsman. It's a mindset. Why am I saying a mindset? So that means a sportsman has got to think 24-7, 365 days that I'm a sportsman. His diet will, will reflect that of a sportsman. Uh, hallelujah? Do you agree with that? I'm talking about real sportsmen. I'm not talking. No wonder your national team never wins anything because to them they drink and party. To them they are not sports people. But when I'm speaking about a sports person, I'm speaking about somebody that has got diligence. I'm speaking about somebody that has got commitment. I'm speaking about somebody that has got a determination. Are you still with me? And real sportsmen will even have a personal trainer. He doesn't train when he's told by the coach. Even when the coach says you are on a holiday, the real sportsman is not on a holiday. Are you saying? Because the muscles must be stretched to a certain capacity in order to allow him to operate optimally. But when you are not a sports person and they say it's a holiday, you can drink Coke and eat KFC, and by the time the sports open, you are not in, in good shape. But a sportsman has got a personal trainer, has got personal gym in his house, because why? It is life to him. Are, are you here, people? Even the people that are marathon runners, when you see the Comrade Marathon, right at the beginning, you see some of us, that, some of them that look like us. 
the excitement, the stretching, the looking, and as soon as the whistle goes off, they want to, they want to impress everyone. They just take off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just to say, I'm in the run for the next 15 to 30 minutes. But that's not how a sportsman looks at things. A sportsman sometimes, they, they say what? They pace themselves. They run at a certain pace because to them, they know when we start is a downhill. But there's going to be 15 kilometers because they have studied the route. That there's going to be 15 kilometers where it's going to be an up road. And right there, before I get there, I've got to come at a certain pace that by the time I come there, there's still stamina in me to be able to climb that hill. Are you still with me? Why? That's how a Christian does the things. You use your testimony that you attain today in order to fuel you to overcome a battle that will take place next year. Uh, are you still with me? Some of the messages that when you come into church that we preach, sometimes are irrelevant to your current situation. Are you still with me? We speak about adversity, you are going through prosperity. And to them we say, the church was not relevant. No, the Holy Ghost can be able to watch what is going to happen down the road. And the Holy Ghost is preparing you today for what will come tomorrow. Come on, can some, does somebody know what I'm talking about? Are there people in the building where someone was preached, but five years down the line, you look back and say, I remember. There was a convention where this was spoken about. Why? Because the word of God is prophetic by nature. That's why if you are married, we speak about marriage, don't close your ears. God may be preparing you something later on. I hope we are together here. He conquers your life. He conquers your habits. He's the mighty conqueror. You, you know, sometimes, excuse me, you've got to conquer your habits. And I'm told that you can never overcome a, a habit. A habit can only be defeated by replacing a habit with a habit. Are you still with me? You can you can overcome late coming by not being are you with me? By just simple you've got to replace late coming by punctuality. You've got to replace negativity with positivity. You've got to replace a downhill with an uphill. Are you with me? That's why as we spoke last time, act opposite. You look at the habit, I don't like this habit. Act contrary to it. And in no time, what you deemed not to be a habit or a difficulty in adjusting to, it becomes a habit. Have you realized that some people wake up at a certain time of the day with no faith? Some people wake up 3 o'clock in the morning every day. I know I mean uh, disappearing. <laughs> Three o'clock every morning, some people are already up, ready to go to work. And here's the problem. Even on Saturdays, where they need to sleep through, they can't sleep through because their body clock is used to three o'clock in the morning. 
now, now somebody, you that sleep until 12 o'clock midday, you're wondering, it's impossible. It's a question of mindset. It takes a certain activities to bring you to that spot where you can be able to do it. Are you with me? Some, and sometimes, you know, the beauty about God, God knows what is in you. God knows your potential. God knows your capacity. You may not know, but God knows. And sometimes God brings you into circumstances where you can see your capacity and be shocked by your own capacity and say, I never knew that I would do it. But God created a certain situation. Are you with me? Somebody may look at you and say, you're not a, a high, uh, you, you can never do high jumping. But let a lion come from nowhere. You'll jump an electric fence. But you never knew that you would jump it. But what propels you to those heights is because a situation was created in order to ignite what is already in you. you oh goodness, you don't learn how to jump it. Jumping it was already in you, but it was waiting for the situation to be expressed. Are you here, people? Now, my question would be, what is it that is in you that is laying dormant? What is it that is laying in you that has never been stretched to its full potential as a believer? Are you with me? A mindset sometimes it determines even how one dresses. I will come to the spirit side of things, but naturally. At the times, I know some people get somewhat offended. Have you ever been in a shop and they come to you and they say, excuse me, how much is this? And you had to say, no, I'm saving Zilla. And depending on how you perceive the brand, if the brand you perceive it to inferior, you get very angry. Why do you, do you think I work here? But if it's superior, you are happy and say, hey, that means I fit in. What makes a person to assume you work there is because they might have seen people there, how they walk, how they talk, how they dress. Somewhat on that day, you resemble to the culture of that shop. How many times many of you, you walk into a new environment, no one knows anything about you. Within two days, somebody comes around and says, you're a pastor. Mfundis. What, what, what is it that they saw about you? Sometimes it happens, In my wife knows, there are times where we will walk somewhere and somebody will, even in a place where we have never been before, somebody say, ah, you're a pastor. And uh, normally I don't even ask. I say, God gave me a pastoral walk, maybe. Uh, are you still with me? But, but how you present, you, because it's a, an expression of how you are. You know, a circumstance does not change your mindset. Your mindset changes the circumstance. Somebody will hear what I'm talking about. 
this boy is a king and your prophet taught you many times. He gets sold into slavery during the transatlantic slavery. He goes miles and miles away from home. He's out there from West Africa to America. He's there among the slaves. He eats with the slaves. He sleeps with the slaves. He works with the slaves. He talks with the slaves. But still there was something distinct about him. His walk was different. His talk was different. His demeanor was different. His attitude was different. His disposition was different. Until it was inquired, what makes this fella to be different? Until the slave owner said, in Africa, where he comes from, in the jungles of Africa, although he took months and months of traveling here, and he was here for many years, but in his thinking, folks, in his thinking it does not change that he knows where I come from I'm a son of a king and I need to walk walk, dress and do things like a king now if a slave can do that during transatlantic transatlantic slavery how much more about a son and a daughter of God that descended from the corridors of eternity, that came into the dispensation of time, that came and became a sojourner here, and knowing that this is not their land, but they are pilgrims and strangers here, how much more should they behave when they know that I do not belong here, I am not a dust to begin with, I am the product of the spoken word, I have got another body other than this body, and there is somewhere where I am going when life is over. How much more their thinking should be? They must think differently. Now the boy is out there in America as a slave. He's got no connection with the father. The father's got no capacity to help him. The, the father's got no capacity to influence. But still, despite the connection, he says, I know that I am a son of a king. But you are still connected to your heavenly father. You've got access to your heavenly You can talk to him and things will happen. Are you still with me? In companies, I've told you many times, if you want to make it in life, you have to mirror your top management behavior. People promote people that look like them and that talk like them. I'm even shocked in this church many times. Your leadership has got jackets on and ties on, but we've got young men that do not even have a tie. Then I wonder, maybe they don't want to be deacons. Because when the church needs a leader, they look at the current leader as to who can fit there. If you come to church with sneakers, definitely you are far from being a deacon. You will be an old man that is a child in church. I'm preaching here, folks. There is a way, brethren, 
when a boy, even when he is not yet married, he's still a boy, you can see deacon in him. And say it's a matter of time based on the conduct, based on the disposition, based on the mindset. Ah, but others we just see. Is a fish and Esther? Once a fish and Esther, always a fish and Esther. Until you see that even if you choose him to be a pastor, you'll have a pastor that comes with a trouser to this level. Uh, uh, am I, is it true? Yes. Come on, are you here? Do you think your deacons, they just have ties for decoration? They just want to be unique every Sunday. Hmm? Do you think if they put a jacket, they, oh, these deacons, eh? they just have money to go and tailor suits. It's because they need, they want, they want the church to take them seriously. But they know that we are the leaders. How we dress it must reflect that we are leaders. How we dress it must show that we take people seriously. If that is the case, Cyril would have addressed the nation in a Kaiser Chief uh, t-shirt. Where is he coming every time to the nation dressed in a suit? Do you know that even in America it goes even far? Even the color of your suit determines whether they will take you seriously. During the Obama days, he wore a 10, is it a 10? What is the color? 10? A 10 a color, a suit, a 10 suit. And the whole America went upright because when you observe most of presidents around the world, either they put a black suit or a navy suit. So they are particular. Folks, are you here? How you address for church, it tells us how you take church. Ah, this is what we see. Me, I'm preaching here. You may hate me, but I will preach the truth. Know the truth, the truth will set you free. You put a, a tie for an interview, but for church, nothing. You know why? Because after church, you don't want to look like you were at church. There's somewhere where you want to blend. A suit will be too heavy for you. I preached. <laughs> Amen. One thing that I love, I may not agree with all his doctrines, but Brother Joseph Coleman, how these people dress for church. I say, brethren, I was preaching for them in the, in the Eastern Cape sometime. I say, that's how you dress for church. Amen. I don't say put sleeveless, but I'm just saying take it seriously. Amen. How, how he speaks. There is a way your mindset is revealed by your speech. Shem, you know, there are people that have long been in the message, but when you talk to them, you just hear that, Allah, it never even started. These are still early days. Hmm? 
uh, you see, I was I was a boy. Just to give you a testimony, you know, when you are a young man, young people are easily used. That's why when your politician gets charged for corruption, they go into the location, buy KFC, load a bus, and say, come to show people that I've got support. You know that, isn't it? So young people are gullible. Now, even in church, young people can become gullible for elders that love to engage in church politics. When I was young, there's a man, I don't know, he thought he would be a deacon, he never became a deacon. And he always had a way to bring us to his house to tell us about how he was the first man that should have been a deacon, but he's not a deacon. Until we, we, we as young ones felt that this man is, done, is not being treated well. I remember he planted a thought in my mind as a very gullible young man then and said, look, if you go to church, you'll see there's only certain people that pray. Not all brothers pray. Now, when somebody poisons your mind, then you come to church looking for evidence to reinforce what you have been told. Then I began to think, oh, the pastor called that one, the pastor called that one. But brother, so has never been called. Now, then uh, in your mind as a youngster, you think, definitely, yeah, there is favoritism. Until one time, because song leaders are, you know, song leaders are very, are very generous with pulpit. They can see a brother that has not been to church for three months. They don't know where he was. Just because they see him and say, brother, as you come and open for us. Hmm? You, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah? Now the deacons are wondering, this brother, we must see him after church. He has been buried. And Song Lee says, oh, good to see you. I mean, if you don't see a person for three months in church, what would you want him to open a, a church where he has never been for three months? Common sense. You, need, you see, you need discernment. Are, are you still with me? Now, while I was still young coming to church and saying, yeah, definitely there is favoritism, then the song leader one day picked up a brother to come and pray. Then in my heart I say, yes, this song leader is really forward thinking. He's welcoming. Now when the brother comes there, he's been there for many years. When he begins to pray, he prays, he prays, he comes to the end of prayer, he says, as we ask in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Then in my heart I say, no one, not everyone can pray. You can't while you are not a prayer warrior in your house and be a prayer warrior in church. Actually, even when we call you to come and pray, your wife already knows that, ah, there comes a problem. Because I've never heard him pray. What is he going to pray in church? Uh, am I talking here, folks? Amen. Amen. How your speech reveals your mindset. When people sit down and talk to you, they begin to know how is your mindset. You know, even in marriage, there are there are people that are an, that are there are married people that are an advocate against marriage. 
their marriage, but every young person that they meet, don't ever start. It's tough. They are the evangelists against marriage. Now, you know what's the problem? They take a personal experience and make it a body experience. You can't take your experience in a corner and make it a community experience. Not every marriage has got problems. Actually, every marriage has got problems. But not every marriage warrants that we should tell young ones not to get married. If somebody tells you, young person, that you must never get married is tough, tell them that, hey, but you must know somebody that is happy. Refer me to somebody who's happy. So that I can check your notes and compare them with their notes. And I can come to a conclusion. Now, now, why would you be a married person in the message, tell young ones not to get married, while your prophet say, the best thing that God can give to a man outside salvation is a good wife. Uh, why, why would you tell us that our sisters, this and that, while the prophet say, if there is one woman that must get credit in the Branham family, is Sister Mida. She stood me between me and the public. I wish every I wish every young man in the building can get a wife like mine. Do you see? But it's a mind. You need a certain mindset to be married. Sometimes you can be a message believer, have money. Financial ability does not mean you qualify to get married. This one I will repeat. Yeah, young ones can. Financial ability does not mean you qualify to get married. You can earn 60,000 a month and really not be qualified. But somebody with 5,000 can become qualified. It is not about what you have, it's about who you are in terms of the mindset. The problem today, the reason marriage is misrepresented, we gave wrong men women, and we gave wrong women men. And they created their little hell on earth. And from time to time, they compare how hell, how intense hell is. Marriage in the message should be and must be the most beautiful thing. I'm talking about when we have yielded ourselves to the message and left our traditions and our families and our, but we have yielded ourselves to the message and a real message brother has a way that he talks to his wife. I've seen men that preaches mighty sermons losing credibility to young people in the moment when they speak to their own wives. All sermons fly out of the window. The brother preaches well, but at home he says to the wife, you are stupid. Then the young man looks there and wonders. This man took us back at the back part of the mind of Elohim. In his house, he took the wife into a mental institution. 
in psychology they say it causes cognitive dissonance. Young people are confused about what is real, what is not being real. The greatest sermon that you will ever preach is to your own family. The greatest life that you will ever live is for your own family. If your family is not convinced about your ministry, no one will ever be convinced about your ministry. Before you pray loud for us, pray for your family loudly. How you speak reveals your mindset. Spent, Bram says, give me five minutes with a man. I'll tell you whether he's a Christian or not. How? As he speaks, he reveals his mindset. Are you with me? Even the young ones that are here, when you speak, you know, a young man that is going far in life, you can hear when you speak to them. And a young man that has got no, you know, excuse me, zero ambition. Somebody say, why are young people falling in the message? I've got an answer. Low ambition. You can never be preoccupied about a goal in life. I look at a, a young girl that got involved in an accident and was admitted into a high care facility and it was during the metric exams last year when they were writing and as the, she wrote her metric in a high care facility Amen. but guess what she got all straight A's then I say goodness others wrote where they were free and had breakfast in the morning but my daughter's go but here is a somebody in a high care facility. It's because the injuries did not change her mindset. She said, I have already passed. I'm a winner. Another one, the first thing would have protested. I need to rewrite because no, there's no way that I can write in the high care. Make a plan for me for next day because they know they've not preferred. But that girl, because she was ready, said, bring it on. I'm ready. And got straight A's. Are you with me? Young men, I've got a message for you. Young women in the message are beginning to see young men with such low ambition, poor discipline, inconsistency. And they're beginning to ask themselves, is this what the message has produced in the husband pool? A man, abled man, healthy, but already gravitating towards becoming a Sasa recipient. I'm talking. While young men out there that are not believers, they wake up in the morning, they subscribe to hard work, they go and they set goals and achieve goals. But we have young ones here, if you ask him what are you doing, the first thing says, you are too well, why are you asking what I'm doing? Amen. I, I'm talking. Amen. They cannot. 
even the message becomes stagnant. I'm asking, where, where, is, where is our programmers, computer programmers, that can be able to take this message and bring new apps in order to make the message to be available to the believers? And we say, this was done. This software, message software, was done by Brother Wutelez. And we can phone America and say, we have a new one. Should we send it to you as you have been sending to us? But it takes a certain discipline and a certain mindset. Are, are you with me? Yes. Today, you parents in the message, you have destroyed your children. And most of you even blame ANC that is giving people free things. But you, some of you have gone out of your own way to get a boy and even pay Lobola for a boy and marry on behalf of your boy who's sleeping the whole day and he gets married, he doesn't understand how important it is in having a wife because that's not his wife. That's the father's wife through the boy. I'm preaching here, folks. I'm preaching. When we grew up, a man, the first thing that we knew the reason we passed very fast at university is not because we were clever. We knew that we will never even hug a sister until such time we provide the proof that we can provide for them. Yeah. And brother, we had to hit those grades because we knew there was no other way. You can't go past that pastor. The first thing you will know, he will ask, oh brother, are you living clean? Yes. The second thing, brother, are you able to provide for her? Yes. And the third thing that he will ask, brother, do you have a place to take her when you are married? Amen. Isn't the message, this is a quotation that I'm taking. But today, a man stays even with the parents until he's old. Well married. But it comes. <laughs> I respect a brother that will move out of his father's house and get a shack. And stay with his wife in a shack and say, This shack is my house. I'm the man in this shack. That's why they say a man that drives his father's motor car should never laugh at a man that is riding a bicycle. We have more respect for a man that is riding a bicycle than a man who is riding his father's car. Yo, I'm preaching today. Our sisters are falling because we have lazy young men. Amen. Your mindset will determine how you dress, how you speak, and how you live day to day. Show me your routine. I will show you your mindset. What you do every day reveals your mindset. Amen. 
I believe a lion has got a very precious mindset. It wakes up every morning believing that most of the animals in the jungle are prey. And there are animals that wake up every morning knowing that I am a prey and I had much better develop athletic skills to outrun the predators. It boils down to a mindset. Are you with me? But more importantly, your mindset reveals where you stand in relation to God himself. You know, doesn't the Bible say Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit? They had a different mindset. They had a different attitude. They had a different disposition. Because that revealed where they stood with God. Are you with me? Brother Brenham, in message paragraph 25, the position of a believer in Christ. He says, I've seen people come to the platform and I would say, do you believe? Oh, I've got all faith, Brother Brenham. Now, that don't mean to be belittling them. I respect that. But they are supposed to be up here, and here they are way down here. But do you know what it is? It's a hope in state of faith. Faith does the job right now. Hope hopes for it. But faith is the product Faith really does it. We have lots of hope, but not much of faith. So we want to change from hope today to positive faith. But there is only one way we can get positive faith. That's by positive thinking of positive things. Did you get how we get faith? By positive thinking of positive things. How many of us have cured me when I grew up? And it's still something that I'm dealing with the devil on that. If I, if I could hear about a disease and research a disease, in no time I develop the symptoms of the disease. And there is, there is, a, there is a word for that, you that speaks big English, there is a phobia for that. Where you there are people that always believe they've got a terminal illness and they see signs, but the doctors say there is nothing. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's good to know about diseases, but study them, but don't study them until you become an experiment of them. I hope we are together. So now, the devil hijacks your thinking. And begins to plant thoughts in your mind that serve as a derailer in your life. And that, you know, the devil can use so many things in your life. The devil can use so many things in your family tree. The devil can, the devil can use anything to work against you. He can use your agenda. 
He can use your status. He can whatever. He can use anything to get back at you. But again, as I said last time, the only way to overcome is to know who you are. Your identity is the key to victory. Because your identity shapes your mindset. But the prophets say, by positive thinking of positive things. Amen. Amen. Brother, let's come. In the message, return and jubilee. Paragraph 5. The prophet says, you know, there was a man one time who wanted to write or he thought he could write a comic strips. Comic strip, strips is more like Madam and Eve, your cartoons. No one would accept his ability. You see, he thought he could do it, but no one accepted his ability. Are we reading the message, folks? Is it that spoken word? And finally, he began to write some little editorials for church. You know, one thing about church, <laughs> church is very welcoming. You see, this man has been rejected out there, but at church they say, oh, you can do it. It's amazing how a church becomes a breeding ground for talent that later wear on works against it. Did you hear me? Go and get all your renown from Whitney Austin and to Michael Jackson. Go and check where they started. It was in a church building. They sing in church and make it into prominency. And the day they return, they return in a coffin to be buried from a church. But the rest of the time, they are absent from church. A church can train you. Some spoke better English because... They were given an opportunity to speak to you and preach to you. And later they spoke in the boardroom and the manager said, you've got a potential and gave them an opportunity. But later on, as you get promoted, then you begin to look down on church people. The very people that trained you on that path. The old mama was there listening to you. You were breaking things and not being... Not knowing you were incoherent, but they were there and say amen, encourage you, and they began, you began to improve. And later on, because of your the spin-off from the ministry by becoming a better speaker, you get promoted there. Later you turn around and say, That church is full of illiterate people, folks. Never forget the humble beginnings. No one would accept his ability. Then finally he began to write some little editorials for a church. And he got out in a little old rat infested garage and to write some stories. You see, now he's getting into a garage where there are rats. You, 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 know, the, you know, your mindset, this person, and there are, you know there are people, young men, even if they were to get to this opportunity, they'll say, I will not work here. There is full of rats here. I need a better office with an aircon. Brother, it doesn't start like that. 
If it started like that, then perseverance will not be required. It starts right there in obscurity, where it's mighty, where it's dirty, where you are being undermined, where you are being talked down, where people are becoming condescending to you. But God is developing your character that the day you come there, you remember who took you up there. And sometimes thank God that when I started pastoring, I didn't start in a big church with a building with aircon. If I had to start all over, I would not know because I've just been plugged today. But I know how to preach when there is no musicians. I know how to preach when there is no building or there is no icons. Are you with me? I'm simply saying you need to, you are, maybe you've got a company, but you need to start to knowing how to clean and know how to work behind the chair. Because one day people may turn around and say, I'm done. I can't clean here anymore. Who's going to clean? But you must remember, that's how I started. I've got it in me to go down there and start again and make things happen. Don't want God to make you jump to step 100 and bypass certain steps because if you bypass certain steps, you will never have the ability to rebuild because you don't know how you got there. It's like somebody working for a company as a shop steward and the management realizes it's troublesome. They promote them into management and after they are done, they fire them. They never become manager ever again in their life. I'm speaking about real cases here. This man, he got out in a little old rat-infested garage and tried to, to write some stories. And no one would receive them. Brother, you will work and no one will receive you. you. You know, God has got a way to train you. God does not like people that work on applauses. God wants somebody that can work even when there is no applause. God wants somebody that will work even there is no patting on the back. Because if you operate on what happens when this is never there? If you operate on being pat on the back, what happens when you are not being pat on the back? And every newspaper turned them down and said he didn't have the ability. But yet he believed he did it. And he continued on and on. Do you see perseverance? Do you see resilience? Do you see a strong, a a victory-focused mindset? Riding against the tide, he continued on and on. Are you, do you have the ability to carry on when everybody says it cannot be done? Do you have the ability to carry on when even the people in your closer circle say it cannot be done? But something within you drives you and say it can be done. In my mind I saw it. I know it will be done. Why am I preaching like this? Some of you, you're old men and old women, but you've got to go beyond what you were told as a child by your relatives. You are told you'll never get anywhere. In this, in your family, no one will get anywhere. And your brother never got anywhere. Your sister never got anywhere. Your father never got anywhere. And they say you will never get anywhere. But the message of the hour is here. As a cycle breaker, you will get somewhere when God is on your side. I say you will get somewhere when God is on your side. You will break the barriers when God is on your side. 
He continued on and on. And he began to notice. He's in the midst. You know, mouth, the rats are flying all over. You know, rats are very hectic. But as he's there being rejected, but hard at work, he began to notice the peculiarity of a certain little mouse. Now he even had a relationship with the rat. Until he realized that this rat behaves differently. Now, he began to notice the peculiarity of a certain little mouse that was in the garage. That's where the story of Mickey Mouse was born. <laughs> God will use your irritation. God will use the very thing that irritates you. And from your problem will come a peculiarity that will propel you to greater heights. Yes. Come on, folks. Had he rejected working in a rest a rat infested environment he would have never seen Mickey Mouse Amen. I don't know what this rat came but I believe this rat was inspired to give him a particular smile every morning until there was a connection and he realized that goodness I'm going to draw this mouse I'm going to call this mouse a Mickey Mouse it went on to become a million dollar company as the prophet is speaking to where did it begin in a rat infested area Come on, God, may God give us such people, the caliber of people that can look beyond the environment and know that I'm here, but I will never end up here. There is somewhere where I'm going. Are you here, Chasha, this morning? Uh, this summer, I don't want them to fall on deaf ears. I want to provoke you. I want you to leave church and say something must be done. And you say, what can be done? What do I have? What do you have in your hand? Take whatever you have and start working from there. Consistency takes you somewhere. Have you ever seen the, the ends when they are moving up and down? You look at the movement, it, it looks useless. Before you know it, there is a heap of soil. How did it come there? Consistency. Yeah. Huh? Just a little stone a day. Just a little stone a day. It builds up someone. You know, Satan hates the momentum. The devil hates the momentum. A lot of things that are imaging as an irritation in your life is to break a momentum. You're working towards a certain goal, a child goes into, becomes wild. The problem you think is the child is the devil trying to distract you. Yes. I've seen couples that could have achieved much in life, but they failed to keep the momentum. Yes. I convinced a brother sometime back where he had a business, and I said, let your wife manage this. And he says, No. I'm selling this business. My wife cannot manage it. I'm selling it. I say, no, don't, don't, don't. Keep it. Let the wife go there and work together. If you work together, it's going to make it. says, no, no, no. He sold it. After he sold it, that very business is still doing very well. Many years later, he phoned me and says, ah, I think I want to start that business again. I say, I'm not interested. <laughs> there are stories that I'm not interested yeah. 
If we give you advice, you don't take it. And later on, you come and say, no, I'm ready. Ready for what? We have moved on. Move on. Because if you took me as a pastor and listened to me, it would have worked. But you had, to, you had other things. You know, there are times when a pastor, you know, there are times, the, the most difficult thing to be a pastor is that there are times where you speak to a person and you know in your heart that it's not you saying it, it's God through you saying it. But you cannot say, brother, it's no longer brother Mariba speaking. This is God advising you now. Don't do it. Amen. You will try and say, don't, don't. I say, a pastor will do it. You don't know these things and giggle. And you leave. And as a pastor said, God, I tried. I couldn't tell me that it's you who's going to say, now Mariba is making himself a little God in that office. So I keep quiet. In no time, it comes to nowhere. Because people think a pastor is a body. There are people that think, ah, it's the body. He eats pop like us, he sleeps like us, he's got spectacles, ah. The man, I know this. He has never even run a business. What does he know? <laughs> Forgetting, it may be the, the very one that knows how to run, speaking through a pastor. Amen. Today, people don't take advices. The, the only advice that they take is when there is money to accompany it. Say, brother, here's 5,000 and here's an advice. That's when they say, I'm listening now. An advice without a financial attachment to this new generation does not work. You can't tell them I prayed about it as your pastor. Prayed. Don't I pray as well? God talked to me. Doesn't he talk to me? I feel. Don't I feel? Because sometimes we will give you some snippets without making us and say, I feel led to tell you. It's a polite way when the pastor tells you, God has told me to tell you this. Ah, Pastor, no, 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 no. This thing's, hey, I'm going to say, you I was totally right. You don't understand this thing. Darling, seven Salah. The Pastor, you just look and so right. God bless you, brother. Not long. And the sad part is that when they fall into the ditch, you can't go and say, Marangu You can't. It's not ethical. You can't do that. You just help. You know where the problem started. But you just help and say, hey, let's help here. But you know where it started. Do you have the ability as a believer to pause and listen beyond weights and check the inspiration behind weights and be convinced if the inspiration is right to disregard your evidence and your research and your inclinations and say, let me pause. They must be God speaking to me and do it that way. I had a young man that phoned me the other time. And sometimes they, I think the young people, they know, they know which hearts to break. <laughs> 
They don't. They, they normally don't break. They don't um, tell people. Uh, such nonsense, they don't tell people who don't care. There are pastors that will tell you that ah, you, you are mad, I'm not listening. They want you, that your heart is involved. Tell me, phone me and said, I'm done with my wife. I say, really? He says, yeah, no, I'm done. I say, what's the problem? He says, no, I want to find myself. I say, man, you're in your late 20s. Have you lost yourself somewhere? Now, in my mind, I'm only spoke three hours in my manner because these days, you, you know, black women in the world really make me, make me laugh. They will hype the somizo and the gay. Homosexuals are being high. You know, the bit about uh, you paying my salaries that I can talk. If it was another company tomorrow, I'll be fired. <laughs> now, the beauty is that black women are the, mo the greatest supporters of homosexuals. Go and check. Black women are the great. If it trends, let it trend. I will stand by my weights. Black women are the greatest supporters of homosexuals. You are Sumizos, you are Mahalis. It's black women behind them. You know what? Until her husband who she's married to for five years comes out and says, hey, I like Somizo, I want to be like Somizo. <laughs> That's when everyone says, no, he wasted your time. No, why don't you support him? Because you have been supporting this lifestyle. <laughs> I, I hear people. You know what I'm talking about. So this young man, when he said, I want to find myself, then these days when a man says, I want to find myself, you'll think, is he gay? That's what you want. Why would you want to find yourself early in life, late in life? I, I begged him. I said, brother, it may not make sense what I say. It may not make sense to you. But don't do it. Ignore how you feel. Stay with your wife. Stick with her. Overlook whatever is there because she has, never, she has not done anything wrong. Carry on. Ah, can you carry on? No, you don't understand, Pastor Man. He was not part of this church. He was somewhere. I said, brother, I've spoken to you three hours on the phone. You are most welcome to do whatever you want to do. But I know you will regret it. it within two years, he phones me. As soon as the phone rang, I knew that now is the time. And when I answered, he said, Pastor, I regret. What must I do? I say you have embarrassed your wife to people. You have embarrassed her to her family. You have embarrassed her to her friends. Good luck. Yeah, you don't need grace because you brought it upon yourself. Good luck in trying to restore your credibility. He cried. He's still crying today. Why? He couldn't listen. In how, why, why would a pastor take three hours to speak to you? Doesn't know they have time. But he refused a voice of warning. How many are refusing a voice of warning? Amen. Especially our young people. As long as they can Google it, if it is Googled, it can be done. Google is an imperial evidence that can replace God. But young men, young women, 
There is no decision that is without consequences. It may look good now, but there will be consequences. Brother, we are still there. He began to notice the peculiarity of a certain little mouse that was in the garage. And that's where the story of Mickey Mouse was born. And Walt Disney now, millions and millions of dollars that his company or whatever he has or is worth. Because he believed there is something in him. If this could be something that can ring like a broken record in your mind, there is something in you. And if a man can do that by the natural, what about a man that's been pulsated by the Holy Spirit, that believes that God wants his achievements to be brought to people and will stay with the scripture? Okay, brother, let's bring this other one, the Queen of Sheba, as I will work towards wrapping up. This is my favorite quotations. Brother Brenham says in the Queen of Sheba, paragraph 8, says there is 470 million people in India. And honest, I know I'm exaggerating because he was estimating, but now there is 1.3 billion people in India. They know, they know nothing. I need this one to read it together. They know nothing, they know nothing. but back. They've got plenty of natural resources. But not the mentality to develop it. All they know is back and religion. If he had not said India, you would have thought Africa. Every boy in this continent is becoming a prophet. Everyone, every corner, prophet, what, what, prophet, what, what. No neurosurgeon, no neurologist, nothing, prophet. And after he has become a prophet, then he goes into a pyramid scheme, swindling people their cash. Every Sunday it's about guilt tripping people to give more money, more money. Does that, isn't that characterizing our continent? Don't we have abundance of resources? But we have mentality to develop what we have. Brother Philip and Brother Mpanyana and Brother Dipari worked for Highfield Steel. This was one of the biggest companies in Wheatbank. But now is on its knees. You go and check, 
people went to China to buy what I felt still could have been producing because they get a quick buck and derail the whole generation because of just a, one million in the pocket. No forward thinking. You know what I'm talking about. A guy is great today, tomorrow is a beggar. Plenty of natural resources. Brethren, in this church, I'm, I'm appealing to you. I know it will be very controversial, but I will do it. The government wants to introduce a new grant. They call it a basic income grant. When you are a man and you are still healthy and can work, do everything in your power to be far away from that curse. It will cripple your mind. Social grants is for disability and for old people. I've said it. I'm not retreating here. It will cripple your mind. If you can wake, wake up in the morning, even if you sell potatoes every day, sell potatoes every day. Through those potatoes, you don't know where God will take you to. You cannot sleep until 3 o'clock afternoon and say, I've got a basic grant. No, sir. Somebody say, are you into politics? I'm not into politics, but the politics affect the mind of our people. You know, even during a lockdown, people will say, the church must not open. It's contributing nothing to the economy. I wrote to somebody, I say, you are talking too much with little knowledge. Do you know what the church does? How many people you corporate South Africa messed up their state of mind? They are depressed. They are down. But they came into church and we fixed them. And on Monday morning, they came back and became productive. Uh, are you still with me? They could have spent millions on psychologists. They could have spent millions on therapy, but they came to church, a minister preached, and a person right there. I said, how many people in church we have inspired until they started businesses that are contributing to the tax base? How many professionals, young men, that had no parents, we paid school fees for them, and they are working, and they are calling. I said, you are talking nonsense. Without church, the nation perishes. If you need evidence, the chair that you are sitting on was bought and created a job for somebody. The tile that you are sitting standing on was bought, created a job somebody. The mic that I'm preaching through was bought, created a job somebody. So why do you take this thing that the church is useless? Poor research and fake radicalism and fake wokeness is what is making our young people to talk like that. Are we going to finish? <laughs> Let's finish. Brother, bring our favorite character, David, as we wrap up. There's a slide there. Now, this is where I will close.
Samuel anoints David a king. Folks, <laughs> I mean, if you anointed a king, you expect to be a king. But after the anointing, after David was anointed to be a king, he doesn't become a king. He becomes a shepherd. A king, a shepherd, with an anointing of a king. Just tendering for the sheep and the goats. Obscurity. Even when there was a roll call for men to enroll for a war, David was not considered. He was somebody that was deemed to perform mundane tasks. Did they forget that he was anointed to be a king? They knew he was a king, but they did not treat him like a king. Did he himself forget that he was a king? He remembered. But somewhat he said, if God said it, God said it, I'll forget it and move on with my life and do what I need to do. He went into obscurity. While he was alone in obscurity, taking care of the sheep, a lion emerges and grabs one of the sheep and David leaped and ripped it apart and destroyed the lion without a selfie, without any photographic evidence. It was only known by him that he had destroyed the lion. Even if he could have brought back the skin, we could have said you found it having been destroyed by something else. You are staging this testimony is not yours. He was the only one that was a personal witness of his own miracle. Did he become a king by killing the lion? No, say. He went back into obscurity taking care of the sheep. Then a bear comes, then he rips up he rips apart that bear. Would you have believed him? You would have said, the young man is building up on lies. He killed the lion, so he said, now he said he killed the bear. But where is the evidence? No one was with you. There's got to be an eyewitness. But David was his own personal witness. Then one day, they realized that they need a boy that can do errands. Somebody that can take a lunch and take it to the battlefield. Then they sent little David there. And he comes with that lunch to deliver it to the brethren. When he comes there, it's amazing that what God had prepared him for that prominent moment was prepared in obscurity. He comes there, he finds Goliath, a challenge that no one was willing to confront. Even Saul, a tallest man in the nation, shivered at the mention of the name Goliath. But because David was trained away from applauses, 
away from public approval. Somewhere in obscurity when no one acknowledged him, he was there and he had a personal experience of God, what God had done for him. He comes, he says, I'm willing to take Goliath not because there is a reward, but I'm doing it because of the conviction that an, an uncircumcised Philistine cannot curse the God, the living God. Brother Brown says, when your objectives and your motives are right, you are unstoppable. He comes, he destroys Goliath and beheaded Goliath and lifted up the, the head of Goliath and the Philistines ran for cover and now there was a major victory in the camp. Did By killing Goliath, did he become a king? No, say. God will take his time to develop your character. Immediately after the victory, he becomes a fugitive. The king is after him. They're looking for him to kill him because the king was an insecure man. Now he wants to destroy, destroy David. David is running up the mountains, down the valleys. He's running away. Instead of being celebrated, he's now being chased after. Until one day, the king of the Amalekites, the king of the Philistines, made someone so they came into an alliance with David and they said, We need to go and destroy the Amalekites. While they were on their way there, one of the warlord men, one of the warlords of Philistines, says, But guys, did we forget that David is the one? Many years ago that he destroyed Goliath. What if this is a trap that they want to kill us? Right there while they are in the battle, then they tell David and his men, and they say, go back. David was with the gentle mighty warriors. God sometimes will allow your family disown you, will allow your people disown you, but he will raise a new family to support you more than what your family can do. Now, when David was chased away from the battle, he's coming from fighting the Amalekites. Then they come back to a place we have spoken about it, Ziklag. When he arrived in Ziklag, they saw, because when you come from the battle, women will come out and sing and dance to celebrate that men have returned back from the battle. In the Bible, we don't take women to battles. And the danger today, the generation of men that we have today are taking women to fight battles that they must never fight. If 60% of fathers are not in their homes, who's fighting the battles for those families? Some of you are fighting, you have not even started fighting your battles. You are still fighting your parents' battle. Because remember, a battle can never be postponed. If you don't overcome a battle, your child has to fight that battle for you. Are you with me? I hope we're together here. Sometimes you are fighting a battle, and, you, and that's why when you are a child, never compare yourself with other people. 
Because see, they may have started fighting their battle while you are already still fighting your parents' battle. Did you hear what I said? And if we are preaching here to help you to you parents to overcome battles for yourself, if you don't, 50 years down the line I will be preaching here, helping your children to overcome battles that you fail to overcome. That is why you've got a generational mission and a generational obligation to win a battle for your generation. That the next generation must fight their own battle and they must not, it's because of mommy or daddy, but they are fighting their own. If there is a demon tormenting your family, you need to destroy it. Don't delegate it to the next generation. If you're a man, you've got a woman problem, your child will have a woman problem. But you can destroy that demon now. And the boys will grow up and say, in this family, we don't have this problem. Because somebody was a cycle breaker. Are we still on brothers on the screen? They came back. As they were coming back, David with his men. That day it was different. There was no noise in Ziklag. It was just smoke coming out of Ziklag. There was no song in Ziklag. No welcoming song. As these men are coming, they get to Ziklag, they realize that the enemy had ransacked Ziklag. He had turned Ziklag upside down. And they get there, their children are not there. Their women are not there. They've been captured by the enemy. Right there, David turned around. They turned around and blamed David. Say, it's your fault. Where they say the men cried. They wept until they could not weep anymore. Imagine a man weeping until he can't weep anymore. That means the pain was intense. That means the disappointment was severe. It, it, it shows that there was trauma because of what had happened in Ziklag. If you come home and you don't find your children and your wife and they say they have been kidnapped, the first thing you wonder, what will that person do to my children? That breaks a heart of every man. That's why. How a man loves his daughters is different on how he loves his boys. If my boys don't sleep in the house, I'll be very upset. All I'm waiting is that they need to explain themselves tomorrow when they get here. But if my daughter is not out, the whole weed bank will be turned upside down. I will phone deacons that we need to go and check. And we will get her back by whatever means necessary. You know, whatever means necessary. Now, you sisters that don't understand, then you end up saying, 
the father is this favoritism. He loves the boys. He loves the girls. Doesn't love the boys. No. We don't love them. The, the love is the same, but the expression is different. Amen. With the boy, it simply say, go. If, if a boy comes and say, so and so beat me up, say, the question is, what did you, we, what did you do? <laughs> but if the girl comes and says, they beat me up, we say, let's get into the car. And go and find out. Uh, am I correct, me? Hmm? Am I, if a boy is not there, you can sleep ne? <laughs> peacefully and wait for tomorrow. But if a girl is not there, we don't sleep. We don't sleep. Now, imagine you are coming back. These men are coming back. The wife, wives are not there. The children are not there. They are crying. Already they are, they are presuming the worst case scenario. Then the, some of them, I think it was 600 of them, they went with David to go here because David consulted with the high priest and the high priest said, you may pursue the enemy and you'll recover all. Then he is pursuing the enemy while he's on the way to retrieve the wives and the children. On the way there, 400 men, they say, we are too tired to carry on. He's now left with 200. The Bible actually comes to a point where they say, it says, when everyone blamed David, David separated himself from the crowd. Yeah. And the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yeah. You see, brethren, let me put it this way. Life is a tough terrain. Life is an unpleasant environment. This is a battle constantly 24-7 and sometimes the people that encourage you may not be available to encourage you. And in those moments you are alone. Some reason the pastor overlooks you, doesn't call you, doesn't check on you. Deacons don't check on you. Church members don't check on you. And until you say they don't love me anymore. But sometimes it could be God designing it that way to say I need you away because God has got no partnership when it comes on trial. You've got to go through your trial alone. Amen. Did I hear? Did I say it correctly? Amen. You have to go through your trial alone. Amen. But David, the Bible says he encouraged himself, and I always wanted to tap into those, into that conversation of David with himself. What must he have said to encourage himself? He must have said, oh, goodness. I was a boy minding my business. Then God sent Samuel to come and anoint me a king. I was a boy in obscurity. I killed the lion. No one was a witness, but I'm a witness. I killed the bear. I'm a witness. I became a fugitive. God gave me men, mighty, gentle warriors that tended to my needs. Now I'm here in Ziklag. I can imagine David must have said, he didn't bring me up to here to abandon me here. Yes. He realized that I'm anointed a king, but I'm not appointed as a king. Yes, I'm between the 
anointing and the appointment, but as long as the appointment has not taken place, there is nothing that will take me off the face of the earth because I must be a king, is thou says the Lord. Are you caught up between where God took you from to where he's taking you from? The enemy will not kill you in between. You will arrive. Then later on, he pursued, recovered them. Then he didn't have to go to Jerusalem. The crown came to him in Ziklag. The very environment where you suffer most is the very environment where you will be crowned. That's why when you are an individual, never be a coward. Never run. If God wants you in a certain environment, stay there. Fight from the, in that environment and God will take you somewhere. In closing, it was Hernando Cortes, one of the generals in the 15th century, in 1519. He had gone to a battle and they crossed the river, he and his militia, and they were on the boat. As soon as they got on the other side, he turned around to them and say, let's make fire. And they made a huge fire. Then he said, let's take all our boats and throw them into the fire. Then he threw the boats into the fire. They burned. They burned their boats. It was symbolic that either we're going to win or we're going to perish. But we will not retreat. We will not run away. That's why we have to burn our boats. I've seen a lot of times people have suffered severely in life because they get into partnerships with people that have never bent their boats. If you get into any partnership of any sort with somebody who has not bent their boat, it's because they are ready to go back. Have you ever seen where men maybe start a business and they go into business and another one say you will manage it full time. Me, I'll still be working while you are managing the business. I mean, the risks are not the same. Uh, you, do you get me? Ne- never get into business with somebody who's got nothing to lose. When you get into business, get with somebody who has bent their bridges. When you get into marriage, get into marriage with somebody who has bent. When we will fellowship with an assembly, fellowship with the people who have. The problem is that if, you know, when a, when a person is here, but he's got somewhere where they, they go, us, the reason we are here to stay in the message is because we've got nowhere to go. We have been, which church will I go to? I've got no relationship with any church. I just know the pastor, but I, I, I cannot go anywhere. But if you, somebody is here, sometimes where he's visiting Mamgani's church, ah, you just see that ah, the bridge is still, the boat is still fine. As soon as there's a bit of things become shaky, he jumps into the boat back in Mamgani's church. But some of us, we bent our bridges. We are here to stay. That's why we've got to develop a victory mindset. God bless you, Rishna.
as we stand to our feet. I hope you have been pleasantly provoked. I hope you have been pleasantly challenged. I hope this sermon will be translated into a reality. Are you still here, people? I hope it will not just be a sermon in church. It's something that you can take and meditate and do something about it. And later on you can say, I have a testimony. There's a song that says, we love him, we love him. And then we'll close the service with a word of prayer. How many I love him? We adore you, Lord. We love you, Lord.
this afternoon, Father, we'd like to thank you. Yes, thank you. We'd like to thank you, Father, how you came this morning and spoke to us. Mm -hmm. Is this kind of message that we need in the days that you are living mm -hmm. in? Father? The kind of message, Father, that will have us have a victory mindset. Mm -hmm. Because, Father, we realize that every time we go out there on the world, it's a battle. Mm -hmm. Every time, Father, we try to do something, it's a battle. Every time we try to think, it's a battle. Everything, Father, that we do is always a battle. And for only for us to be able to be victorious is only if we have a victorious mindset. Yes. And that is the mind of Christ. Mm, that is why even Christ, Father, even as a 12-year-old boy, mm. he said, I will be found in the things of my father. Yes. Because my business is the business of my father. Mm. I think even we as youth, from our youth, while we are children, Father, from the time we grow up, we should have this, the same mindset that Christ has. Whereby each and everything that we do, we'll do it by the worth. We'll do it by the word of God, Father. So that each and every time we do something, we'll be assured of victory. Because we know that every, every time we do things according to our word, victory is assured. Exactly. The only end result of the things that we're going to be doing will be victory. There is why even Christ himself, he was never perturbed by the devil, Father. Because each and every time when the devil came and attacked him, he will say, it is written. Even this time, Father, we can revert to the same thing and say, it is written. Each and every time we need a formula for victory, Father, the formula is there, it's written in the Bible. The only thing, Father, is for us to open the pages of the Bible. You have also given us a prophet in this end time. It is for us to go to open the spoken word, get a quotation, that will make us victorious. That is because we know, Father, each and every time the devil comes here, he will try to put us in a position whereby we don't know what to do. But each and every time we go and search the scriptures, each and every time we, go and we search the spoken word, then we will find a solution. That is why even there was a story of a woman, Mrs. Weber. She was she was having TB yes. in a deathbed about to die. Mm. And even her friends came and they visited her, mm. trying to discourage her because of the message that they believed. Because Brother Brenham came and prayed, prayed for us and the, the angel came and told her that Mrs. Weber was going to die. Mm. And then the people were saying, how can you believe such a message? But because of the mindset that she had, yes. the kind of respect that she had for the message, mm. even when the people were trying to discourage her, mm. she would tell them, you can never say that about the servant of God. Mm. You can never dis despise, disparage the servant of God like that. Mm. And because of this mindset that she had, even on a dead bed, mm. the angel of God came and visited uh, Brother and said, because of the fact that she had respect for the servant of the God. Exactly. The fact that she had the respect for the message of the hour. Mm. Tell God, tell Mrs. Weber that the disease that she had on her body, the TB that she had, it is going to be healed. Mm. She will be healed to her former self. Mm. And we have the same today. That each and every time when the pastor speaks, we should hear can to the pastor. Mm. So that each and everything that she will, we want to do, when she advises us, we must know that it is the Lord, the angel of the Lord mm. is advising us. So that our matters will go be right and be fit for, for the seven for the children of God. Mm. That is why even this morning, Father, we'd like to thank you that you came with such a message at a time that we need it. Mm. You came with this with this type of message when we really our fibers and our body mm. needed it. Mm. Because Father, we know that we are living in a very discouraging world mm. whereby people are dying because of the viruses that are yes, going around. Yes. But we know that as long as we have the mindset of Christ, a victory mindset, mm. nothing can stand before Hallelujah. us. Victory is assured. It does not matter what kind of a um, trial, what kind of a tribulation we will go through. 
as long as you are behind us, you are in front of us, we are assured of victory. May you please, Father, uh, come this morning, Father, uh, bless our pastor for such a message. Mm. We know that the virtue has come of us, but it was not just a message. Mm. It was a message born, uh, that was fit for the days that we are living in. Mm. It was a message Thank that you, was Father. purposefully made mm. for us. Mm. And for as a good result, Father, we are very grateful. May you please come this morning, Father, bless each and every person that is in here. We know that each and every one of us are going through a battle. Mm. But with this kind of message, we have a weapon. Yes. That we can point at the devil, knowing that when we point that devil, Father, we'll be assured of it. That the devil cannot stand before us. We pray, Father, believe in the name of our Lord and Savior, that you bless each and every servant that is here, Father. Each and every person that has managed to take the time to be here. We pray, Father, that you come and bless them. You go and go out with them as they go to their families, their workplace. Go with them, Father, so that they have a victorious week. Not only a week, victorious month, not only a month, but victorious life afterwards. Amen. We pray, Father, believe in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. Have a blessed week. Amen. Till we see you on Sunday, may God continue to bless you. Amen. Amen. And don't forget, on the Easter weekend, we'll have a service, morning service, Friday morning. And then as well as Sunday morning, just two services over the Easter weekend. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. And then you can give us a few, few songs and then see, till we see you. Amen. That's right.
is a miracle, working God. Working God. 